c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. French and Fabulous. I'm Jessica. And I'm Janelle, or at least a version of Janelle that has a low-grade fever. So, yeah, The jokes are going to be extra spicy today. Mm. They're going or to they're be... Just gonna, yeah. They're going to be slightly above the normal human body temperature. <laughs> they might just be nouns that I find funny. Yeah. We're, we're doing a very special, sick and slightly feverish episode of Fat, French, and Fabulous today. Cucumber. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny noun. Mm. That's what passes for humor in this state. <laughs> Cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly just food. Food is mm. funny. Food is Kumquat. Bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the names of foreign vegetables because Egg. I grew up very close to a very white grocery store. Yeah. We we there's it's isn't it weird that like there are some vegetables that like you just don't know the names of you've never heard of and never tasted because don't know you just grew up around Europeans and that's 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 life kid. Every grocery store in East Harlem sells cactus leaves, <laughs> and I don't know what they do with them. And at this point, I'm just too afraid to ask. And that's reasonable. Yeah, I I was when I was there, I'm just like oh yeah, they just have like massive massive tons of like just cactus right next to the just right, cactus right next, right next to the carrots just cactus thorn in cactus leaves i don't know what they're for <laughs> i'm sure this is just my white european ignorance showing but i'm like do you eat them do you use them to discipline your naughty children is this for are home invasion what is this i don't know what these are for is this a they're weapon in the produce aisle maybe they're for soup i don't really know who knows there's also like no a great one really deal of, knows. There's roots, just large tuberous root vegetables that I don't know how to eat. Mm. I mostly just go to the I grocery store and then. I could not begin to conceive of how to consume this. No, I basically like walk into the grocery store and it starts right in the produce aisle, and then I just hyperventilate until I find the ramen. <laughs> that's that's grocery shopping for me now. <laughs> the soup section is where I feel safe. Oh, God, give me that sweet, sweet Campbell's. Although it's different here in the U.S. than it is oh, in gosh. Canada. And just everything is a nightmare and oh, screams oh, forever. Oh, yeah, like, there's, there, like, I don't think there's anything more upsetting than when you, like, you try to find a familiar food in a foreign country. And it turns out that, like, they do have the exact same food. But, but it's it, slightly different. It's wrong, though. I like, hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's closer to, like, the norms of the thing where these people live, and it's completely different from the dish you know and love. It's Lipton wrong. soup here is weird. I'm yeah, gonna just, I'm gonna go. Out, I'm gonna call you out, Lipton. Your soup is weird. You got weird fucking soup. I you don't weird I don't, soup. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't want your weird soup. I don't I want, want it. Soup. I don't want it. <laughs> Never asked for right. any of this. All right. Speaking of people who did not ask for things, uh, mm. we're going. This is a missing persons case. Yay! That was that was a dark segue. <laughs> I blame the fever that is slowly consuming my body. A family lacks closure. <laughs> What's really fun is that in New York City, you can just sort of go on the subway anytime you want and just start a pandemic. 
<laughs> that's just a power that you have at all times, and I don't think I'm ready for that responsibility. Yeah, like, when I was down there, they were kept piping, like, warnings about the flu into the, uh... Into the subway all day, every day, and I think you took Isn't that it as a apocalyptic? suggestion. It's so yeah. apocalyptic. I'm just like, oh yeah, this is where like every dystopian novelist is getting the idea from. This exact aesthetic. <laughs> every like four minutes, this like voice that sounds like it comes right out of a Bethesda Fallout game is like, wash your hands, prevent the spread of infection. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna die. Because it turns Fucking out... Fucking make me... <laughs> <laughs> it turns out we're actually in a post-apocalyptic video game. <laughs> God damn it. It's the, well, the rat plague has come upon us. <laughs> I, for one, welcome the rise of bottle caps as currency. <laughs> I'm looking right. forward to it. All right, good. Well, back to our, our missing persons case. I picked the topic this week, which means hang on to your butt. I'm going to give you nightmares. Yay, Hooray. nightmares. Nightmare. This might be our number one most disturbing case yet, actually, for mm. reasons I'm going to get into right fucking now. Uh, oh my god, I really do have a fever. Prepare this is your not butts. Me in a... Oh shit. All right, so this is an unsolved missing persons case, uh, and it's the most recent case we've done. This is a case from 2013. Mm. This is the disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Um, so what really makes this case stand out among all the other depressing unsolved missing persons cases I could have picked is that the main clue in this case is a garbled 911 call that the victim placed just before he went missing. So, yeah. Fun. Nightmares for life. So before we Yay! go any further, uh, I'm we're going to do fair warning. I think this is the first time we've given you an actual warning on this podcast. This whole podcast nope. should just be more warning than content. This is our second warning. The first warning oh, yeah, was from the surgery episode. <laughs> That's right. That episode was gross and I still can't use knives. Kitchen cesarean. Um, oh my god, no. Please no. <laughs> Sometimes I just wake up screaming. It's fine. Uh, so this podcast episode is going to... We are going to be listening to the actual recording of the 911 call. Um, provided that I can fancy. figure out... We are. I've figured out how to splice audio clips, so we're... Just hang on to your butts. Because I can, I can do anything now. Um, so Don't I'm going to be splicing yourself. the actual... I do. Sometimes. Um... We're going to listen to the actual transcript of the 911 call, or no, not the transcript. We're going to listen to the real 911 call, mm. which was the last call Brandon Lawson ever made. The call itself isn't graphic. It's actually more unintelligible than anything. Um, but some people find live recordings of people who are about to go missing forever disturbing. Mm. So, you know. Some of us you, find that unsettling. If you happen to be a person who finds that unsettling... You might want to just re-listen to the maple syrup episode this week. Mm, that might so, be better for you. Maybe a little bit. So, just so you know, there cheerful. will be a recording of a nine one one call. It will not be cheerful, but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see what we can hear in that call. But before we can do that, we have to do the background information, or this is just an out of context garbled nine one one call. Do we have theme music now? For we do not background. No. Absolutely We can't not. afford, we cannot afford a conductor. We do not have that kind of money. Our <laughs> theme music, money. our theme music is literally just the only, like, cool sounding song you could find that allowed, that had the right range of rights. <laughs> that is correct. It was the freest piece of music available. <laughs> you are allowed to use freest, it for free for commercial least purposes. Least restrictive. <laughs> so, 
if anyone's been like entertaining the notion that we're dubstep fans for the last six months, <laughs> I have bad news. <laughs> yep. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. That's just the single freest piece of music on the internet. <laughs> it's called um, it's it's by Tommy Rexstyle. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's the artist. I don't remember the name of it. It's I see it every week, and I probably should. It's Let's Rock. Yeah. That's what it's called. Let's Rock it's, by Tommy Rexstyle. It's called Thanks, Let's Tommy. Rock Original Mix in brackets Free Creative Commons. That's right <laughs> in the title. <laughs> Top of my list. We have no money. No money. At all. So in August of 2013, Brandon Lawson was a painfully ordinary guy living in San Angelo, which is a small city in central Texas. Um, so at the time of his disappearance, Brandon Lawson was a 26-year-old father of four young children who lived with his common-law partner, whose name I'm assuming I'm pronouncing correctly, Ladessa Lofton. Mm. Ladessa? Ladessa. It's gotta be Ladessa. Ladessa. I don't know. I came here to research. I did not come here to pronounce things. No, that's my job. <laughs> yes. I well, say so many words. <laughs> so many. Discombobulate. That's, that's a word. Pay me. <laughs> and it also happens to be a very funny verb. <laughs> Too bad humor is just nouns. Mm. You fucked it up. Drama is all um, about the verbs. Comedy is just nouns. We've we've done it. Ah. Where's my master's degree? <laughs> <laughs> That's a thesis right there. So Brandon and Ladessa were high school sweethearts, and they'd been together for ten years before the disappearance. Um, which, if my math is is on, which I think it is. Makes Brandon about 16 and Ladessa about 15 when they got together. Mm. Hooray for math. Works out. All right. So prior to his disappearance, Brandon had told friends that he was planning to save up some money and buy Ladessa a ring to make things official. Which would be a cute fact if he wasn't, you know. Yeah, that'd be adorable if he didn't immediately missing. go missing. Yeah. As oh. is, it's just tragic. It's like it when is, you see it's... that, like you have the veteran, you know, like fighter pilot who's like this is gonna be his last run before he retires and then like there's just like a cute shot of him of like of his family photograph and it's just like oh yeah well that guy's gonna bite it <laughs> like, you're one giving... of our neighbors did that it's uh this I said that in a tone of voice that makes it sound like this is gonna be a cute story but it's not he was like a, I think he was a cop and then like three months after he retired he died in a tragic scuba diving accident oh gosh yeah, I don't know why I started that with such a cheerful tone of voice. It's an awful story. <laughs> that's uh, that's the worst. Yeah, he like. His oh yeah, I know a guy who died horribly. Yeah, man, I need to Funny check my tone. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I probably I didn't make the correct judgment about whether or not to have some Tylenol mm. for this. <laughs> Unwise. I'd say Tylenol would have been the correct choice. You were mostly fine for a conversation before this. Now you're not. <laughs> no, you are not fine. It's just getting later and later, and I'm getting weirder and weirder. Um, so like all humans who live in close proximity to other humans, Brandon and Ladessa sometimes argue. They had their differences. Yeah, um, it happens. Shit happens. And when they did get into arguments, it was their habit for one of them to leave the house. They would take a 20 to 30 minute drive to cool down and then they would come back to the house to sort of walk it off. Yeah, they'd talk through, they'd, they'd cool down, they'd come back and they'd talk it out with a more level head. It's mm. pretty normal shit. People do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. As coping mechanisms um, go, it's not the most unhealthy. It's pretty No, normal. there's there's much, much worse that you can do. Um, So... On the evening of August 8th, 
2013, Brandon and Ladessa got into one of their arguments, and as usual, Brandon left the house and he headed out for his truck. Um, the couple was under a lot of stress at the moment. One of their children was sick and Brandon had just started a new job. Uh, he was an oil worker of some persuasion. I'm not quite creepy enough to know his exact title. So during the argument, Brandon called his father to say that he was coming to spend the night at his dad's house in Crowley, Texas. Apparently this was a worse argument than usual. Um, and he was going to go spend the night at his dad's house. His dad told him, just calm down, stay where you are, and work things out with Ladessa. Mm. He decided he was going to leave anyway. So Brandon Lawson was last seen leaving his house at 11.53 p.m. wearing white shoes, a yellow shirt, and green camo shorts. He took pretty much stylish. nothing with him. Very stylish. Every time I see missing persons posters, I'm like, okay, obviously it's very important to like learn what they look like and like mm -hmm. see, you know, is this somebody that I know? Do I have any information? But I'm always just sort of distracted when I see these missing persons cases by what they were last seen wearing. <laughs> Like, Everybody really? who goes really? missing is is clashing. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's it's never like oh yeah they were last seen wearing blue jeans and a t shirt. It's like okay they were last seen with yellow socks, pink tights, a green tutu, like blue and white striped shirt, yeah. and like a flower crown. And you're like what? <laughs> what? How did who you lose them? This per how did you like? How did you misplace this person? How could anybody misplace this person <laughs> <laughs> it's always like the most incredible combination of clothing and you're like i can't even picture a world in which this is okay yeah like this doesn't even mentally compute like if if i try to upload this m image into my 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 mental processor it just crashes <laughs> it's true like people People like to go missing. You know, this is why your mom always tells you to wear clean underwear. Always wear matching clothing in case you go missing and somebody has to describe your last outfit on a poster that gets distributed nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. Do not be do not shame yourself in front of the entire nation when you show up on America's like a missing persons list. Do not. <laughs> right? I don't want to be like last seen wearing mismatched socks in my mom's Crocs like that's not what I want. <laughs> I want to be remembered as cool. <laughs> Last scene were in Converse and cool distressed jeans that come into fashion every 15 years. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't, like, like, I, I think Converse are almost the perfect expression of, like, I don't need arch support. I just need to, I just need to sound cool to strangers after my corpse is found in a field. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna find me and they'll be like, man, the skeletal information... Reveals that this was a woman, she was about 25, we probably European, and she has completely collapsed arches, so we know she was cool as shit. Yeah, she was just, she just had a sick sense of style. <laughs> she was just so cool you don't even understand. Mm. Crippling foot pain is the price I wear to look cool to strangers on the bus. She destroyed, destroyed her Achilles tendon. I sometimes take a break from Converse to wear heels, so I'm not going to be able to walk by the time I'm 40. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yay! I take it's like 18,000 steps a day. I live in Manhattan. I just do 90 fucking flights of stairs a day. You actually it's... hate your lower legs. <laughs> yeah, fuck them. I want to fly. I, wanna, I just want to <laughs> hover two feet off the ground, and I'm mad that I can't do that. Yeah. Someday technology will catch up with my lifestyle. Until then, fuck you, legs. <laughs> I actually couldn't leave the house today because I wore shitty shoes for like four days in a row and now my blisters are too bad to walk on. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> That's you what know. you get. 
but I looked so cool for those four days. Oh yeah, like when I was in when I was in New York, uh, I actually bought myself a new pair of shoes. I I might have bought myself seven pairs of shoes. I was gonna say don't I'm gonna rat you out if if you don't rat yourself out. I'm about to rat <laughs> you out on this podcast. You're gonna hold me accountable for the the time I walked into Harlem and bought exactly seven, seven pairs of shoes, which I had to. Because like your 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 roommates were lovely and offered me the use of a basement suitcase that the basement gave up, but our uh, basement just sort of gives us things. It's hard yeah, to explain, like, and none of us really want to look into it in case it's actually the devil. Yeah, but like, we we needed a suitcase, and then a dirty one appeared in the basement that said "free" on it. Yeah, yeah. Same as we needed a frying pan, and then two days later there was just a box of them it's in the basement. That genuinely said free. unsettling how the basement the basement giveth and the basement, basement taketh can away. taketh away. Yeah, so you're I, pretty sure I, that it kills a tenant every eight weeks to make up for this, but yeah. you know. Yeah, your your roommates offered me this dirty basement suitcase, which was like perfectly functional on the inside, but I just decided to pack everything back in my backpack, which was interesting to explain to customs. Uh, but, like, one of the pairs of shoes I got is a pair of metallic red sneakers with, with, like, spikes and glitter so sharp it will actually cut into your flesh. Oh, they're fetching. I know this because when I wore them without socks, I had a ring of bloody scars around my ankles. But I literally kept wearing them. Cause literally, the cool. first thing I said to you when I saw those shoes was, "Don't wear them without socks." Yeah, you you spoke too late. It had already happened. I had already chewed up most of my ankles <laughs> without noticing because I have limited pain sensation. Huzzah! Among yeah. other, totally there was so human much blood <laughs> that the human species have, and yeah. not extraterrestrials from beyond the stars. Yeah, so I have a pair of shoes that like actually ate my ankles and I still wear them because damn are they sick <laughs> also after you left we banished that suitcase to the hallway because we're pretty sure it's haunted mm. the hallway but- or the suitcase were you just Both. like offering offering free luggage to the ghost was it an was, was it like to a sacrifice to avoid your own demise we appreciate your gift, great building, but we have not need of it at this time. Farewell. Farewell. Please give unto us a frying pan. And then it did. Huzzah. What a time to be alive. Mm. Um. So back to our story. Brandon, the only thing he left with the, on the night that he disappeared was his keys, his wallet, and his phone. And this is pretty much the last part of the story that isn't creepy as shit. So... The rest of what we know about Brandon's disappearance comes from various games of, essentially, phone tag that went on that night. So, after Brandon left, Ladessa called him to double-check that they were okay. Just sort of, like, she was still pissed at him, he was still pissed at her, but it was sort of like, are we okay? Yeah, you like, know. The, cor- the sort of normal, like, I'm mad at you, but I love you, so I'm just gonna check in to make sure you're fine. Yeah, they still had a family, they had four kids, like, just double-checking. Um, she told him to either drive around and cool off or just to go spend the night at his brother Kyle's house because Kyle lived much closer to Brandon, uh, he lived much closer to the couple's home than Brandon's father did. Mm. Kyle lived five minutes away and Brandon's father lived in a whole different city. Yeah. But, um, apparently Brandon ignored her because after the phone call, he started heading toward Abilene, Texas, Mm. presumably en route to his father's house in Crowley, which is right outside of Fort Worth, Texas. 
And going via Abilene is not the most direct route you could have taken. He went north on Highway 277 instead of going east on Highway 67. So, so it's roughly knows? the right direction, but like it's definitely the long it's a, way around. It's the long way. And I'm like, I'm saying all this, like people just sort of know the geography of Texas. But um, yeah, you might want to look this up just for clarification mm. later on. We if might, you want we might visual aids, map. Google Maps is there for you. We might make a map. I might be nice. I'm on spring break. I can. I have We've time got for that. time. Hooray! You, you um, say that, but like that means that you do have to get the podcast out on time. Time this week, otherwise boo. they'll know. Boo! <laughs> boo! Boo! <laughs> or I'll just die of flu. Yes. <laughs> Death. Death. That's that's gonna be the actual excuse. <laughs> the podcast is late. Why? Because Janelle's dead. <laughs> She's dead. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. You just have to, like, weekend Bernie's me and just sort of move me like a Muppet. Yeah, just prop you up and, like, put you, put some uh, some nifty sunglasses on your face. Just just blow some air through me and just move my mouth. <laughs> no one will even know. A play, play, play like a clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just start being me. Like, mm, you have true. some sort of split personality where one personality... <laughs> Just tells the other to simmer the fuck down and stop revealing that they're an alien. <laughs> it, that will be easier for recording. There won't be any. There won't be any crosstalk that we have to edit out, <laughs> where we accidentally talk. End up talking over each other. It'll just be me barking at myself the entire time. Oh, we interrupt each other so much, and it's it's all edited out for your sake. Yep. You have no idea how much work we do for this free podcast for you, and no one appreciates me. No one helps me in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so unappreciated. <laughs> None of you know the effort I went through, the tribulation. Yeah, recording live is actually kind of a nightmare because if I just want to speak and not have Jessica interrupt, I have to stuff my sock in her mouth. <laughs> Once we're together, that's that's all I've got. Mm. I can't edit that shit. So after speaking to Brandon, Ladessa phoned Brandon's brother Kyle to let him know what was going on. Kyle then just showed up at the house around 12.10 on what's now the morning of August 9th to check on the family. Apparently this is just what people did yeah. in this family. They just drive around, they check on each other. Um... So here's a detail that's sort of important. At some point in the night, Ladessa put her cell phone in her car to charge because she didn't own an in-house charger. When mm. Brandon left, he left with the only phone charger that they had in his truck. So as a result, Ladessa does not ah. receive any of the other calls Brandon made to her that night. Oh, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. That is so, unfortunate. It, it, it is. It is. So, Brandon's truck was low on gas when he left his house, but he seems to have believed that he had enough gas to reach Bronte, which is a small city en route to Abilene and is not a tragic literary sister. No, it is not any of the Brontes you may be thinking of. He did you not can't... think he had enough enough gas to re reach Charlotte or Emily. Or, or even Anne. Forgotten, I was going to say their forgotten third sister, who was an author in her own right. Yeah. Um, was it Anne? Her name's Anne, yes. right? Ha ha ha! Brilliant. <laughs> Congratulations. You I cannot... remember the forgotten Bronte sister. <laughs> you cannot fuel up at Charlotte Bronte. She does not dispense petrol. No. <laughs> she's, she's dead. And she, also she, not a gas station. She's, she's decidedly not a gas station. She, Unless your truck runs on, like, bro on brooding men with, with, questionable, with questionable lifestyles. Probably, probably not. 
I mean, that's what I run on as fuel, but not my car. Yeah. Brooding <laughs> men with questionable lifestyles are an ever-renewable resource. <laughs> <laughs> and I can never get enough. Mm. Clean burning, too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making an innuendo when you're just talking about burning people for heat. Alright. <laughs> this is basically par for the course. This is this is peak us. Mm. <laughs> I'm a bit literal-minded. Oh my god, please stop heating your home with people. <laughs> it's gonna smell and the neighbors are gonna have questions. That's the real reason I moved to Vancouver. It was just, I was going through so many, like, like, like burning-eyed heartthrobs that I just, I just couldn't anymore. It was just, the heating bill was insane. It was bad for the environment. It was bad for the environment. You're upsetting the whole ecosystem. Mm. And who is Janelle supposed to date now? Right. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so, Brandon was not particularly good at calculations. He thought he could reach Bronte, which was about 40 miles from his house where he could refuel. Uh, he was not correct. So Brandon eh, ran out of- Wrong. Yeah, eh, Wrong. Uh, he ran out of gas about four and a half miles south of Bronte. And he was very close to a rest area, but this is a rest area that's basically just picnic tables in the desert. Yeah, it's- There it's, was- It's yeah. not like- It's not like a quickie mart. <laughs> no, there's nowhere for you to buy fuel. Like, you can pull over, but, like, there's not a lot of amenities. In fact, there's none. <laughs> Unless you know how to distill ethanol from the things around you. Maybe that's what people do with cacti. Maybe they're yeah. making ethanol out of it. Yeah. I don't know. If somebody knows how to prepare cacti, or if you're Seth and you're gonna Google it, uh, let me know what the fuck cacti are used mm. for in cooking. Yeah, Seth, I don't know why you treat every episode of this podcast like it's a like it's a class that you should just like do homework for. But like, you you go figure out what people eat, why people what people are doing with cactus leaves. You you find every, that out. You do every it for episode, us. I ask rhetorical questions about horrifying things I don't actually want to know. And then every single time I get a message from Seth after the episode that just has more information on that topic than I ever needed. He's like your basement. Or, uh, he, oh he my god. He gives and gives and gives. Um, if I ever go missing, I am in the basement. <laughs> it won't give me back. You have to trade it. Give it a dirty suitcase and maybe it will let me go. <laughs> <laughs> you must give in order to receive. <laughs> Horrifying. All hail the basement. <laughs> I live in a scary building. So at 12.34 and 12.36, Brandon places two calls to Ledessa that go unanswered because, again, Ledessa told the news outlet that her car, her phone was charging in her car, so she doesn't get the calls. Mm. At 12.38, Brandon calls his brother Kyle and tells him that he ran out of gas on the highway and he needs help. So... Kyle then phones Ledessa to tell her what happened and asked if he and his girlfriend Audrey could come over and pick up a jerry can. I'm not actually sure how this call goes through because apparently Ledessa's phone is still in the truck at this point. Mm -hmm. Maybe he called the home phone. I don't Possibly. I don't really know. He got a hold of her somehow. Mm -hmm. um, Ledessa tells Kyle that she's going to leave the jerry can out on the porch for him to pick up. And she says that she's planning to take a shower and then just go to bed. She assumes that, like, you know what? Brandon's being dumb. He ran out of gas. I'll, I'll leave the jerry can on the porch. Kyle is already handling it. I'm tired. He's your I'll problem for tonight. Mm -hmm. I got the, I got the four kids. This is You got this. Yeah, like, this is entirely straightforward to me. Like, there's no reason why you would assume your husband was in any trouble if, you know, like, 
your brother-in-law's already handling it. He had a hissy fit. He ran out of gas on the highway. People, yeah. people do this. This is he this was is being a dick. A, a man hissy fit. Yeah, I'm you gonna, know. I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna drive my truck. Yeah, this is this is what people do. I'm just gonna go out. I'm gonna listen to Johnny Cash, and I'm just gonna drive. Yeah, that's 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 how the men in my I'm life do their feelings. And I'm been wrong by a woman. You had a separate life as a country star. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I had an entire, like, 22 years of living in Grand Prairie, Alberta, listening to heavy country stations. <laughs> so if you're, if you're, uh, if you listen to music and it's not about a woman wronging you or your dog running away or something bad happening to your truck, do you even recognize it as music or are you just like... What is this collection of sounds? Well, I mean, like that's that's like men country music. That's men country music. Women, well, yeah, country women music country music is, is like I'm gonna ruin his life. Yeah, like all and all, I will all, take all, his dog and I will fuck up his truck. Yeah, all 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 men's country music, like all 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 men's country music, is like you know my 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 wife left me and I don't know why. And all women's country music is like I left my my husband and here's exactly why. Um, <laughs> you guys just gotta listen to each other. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta like come together and like listen to each other's country music. I like exactly one country song, and it is about two women killing an abusive man and rolling him up in a tarp. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Dixie Chicks. You know exactly which one it is. I know exactly which one because again, <laughs> twenty-two years of my mother's music taste. <laughs> the best. It's the only country song I will accept. And it is about justifiable homicide. Yeah, I I also recommend uh, Carrie Underwood's uh, "Before He Cheats," which is just a vivid graphic description of her taking a golf club to his car. I think. Nope. Yeah. It's a Louisville Slugger. <laughs> yeah, it's a baseball bat. Yeah, she's just taking a bat to her boyfriend's car. <laughs> That's as much sports knowledge as I have. That's it 100% is, of my sports knowledge. It is a Baroque description of vandalism. It is Hooray. lovingly detailed. Ah, the world's a fun place. What a mm. time to be alive. So at 12.48, Ledessa misses another phone call from Brandon, and this is the last call he will ever place to her. So Kyle and Audrey come and get the gas can somewhere in around this time. There's no exact timestamp on this. But Kyle's paycheck hadn't cleared yet, so he didn't have enough money to put gas in the can. So what he Bummer. decided he was... I know. What he decided he was going to do was he was going to go pick his brother up, drive him to a gas station so that Brandon could buy the gas, and then he would drop Brandon and the jerry can back at the truck. Seems things, straightforward. Straightforward, but things didn't go according to plan, or we wouldn't be doing this podcast episode. Interestingly, there is that bit of subtext right there. A little bit, and we're gonna get right, yeah, it's... It's kind of like how, like, the two people in the cold open, the, you know, like, cheerfully, like, laughing together in the cold open of, like, SVU or, like, whatever procedural it is, CSI whatever, CS CSI Auckland or whatever, uh, like, like, they're, like, cheerful and, like, hanging out, but, like, also this is CSI, they're, one of them's gonna get ganked. Either that or they're gonna find a corpse. <laughs> See, the only thing that I associate, uh, Law & Order SVU now is just with, like, irritation because they film at my school <laughs> a large a large part of law and order svu is filmed at teachers college columbia university for reasons unknown to anybody mm. <clears throat> they also film in and around grant's tomb which is right next door mm, but yeah. uh they 
consistently I will come to school in the morning and there is a fucking law and order film truck <laughs> parked where my goddamn breakfast cart is usually parked. And then Rude. I have to go down the street to get my breakfast and I hate it. I have a personal vendetta against Law and Order SVU, as does <laughs> most of Manhattan, because they constantly clog up our traffic. They are constantly causing traffic delays. Everybody hates them. Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by a sh- <laughs> by, by 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 an episode Law of Order Law SVU. and Order SVU. I have tweeted that exact thing, <laughs> and I raised my hand. God damn it! Don't stop disrupting my breakfast. <laughs> I want so little. <laughs> it's for iced tea not to interrupt my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so around the time Kyle was heading to pick up Brandon, a motorist placed a call to 911, letting them know that there was an abandoned truck parked dangerously on the highway 277. I probably don't have to tell you whose truck it was. It Emily was, Bronte's? It was Brandon's. It was oh. Brandon's truck. Emily Bronte can't drive. Because I mean, she's a woman. No, because she's <laughs> dead. She's dead. She's, she's a dead, dead woman. She can't. I don't drive even know <laughs> if she lived long enough to rent a car. I don't think mm. she even made it that far. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, not. She's she's, she's too dead to drive. Post invention of the automobile. I don't actually know. I was just gonna think. I think she died at around age twenty-five. Oh, I mean, like when she died, not like what age. I don't know. I I assume that Emily Bronte didn't actually. Uh, use transportation. She just sort of floated through life on a cloud of angst. Yeah, I'm under the impression she mostly like swooned and like maybe skulked <laughs> occasionally. She would just lose consciousness and wake up where she wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe maybe she's like me and she walks in the space between spaces. She she merely like broods in a general direction and then like appears where she wants to go. My whole life has just turned into a giant episode of Welcome to Night Vale, and I don't even know who to blame for it at this point. For a long time, I was pretty sure it was your fault, but now I think it's mine. Mm. <laughs> for just continuing maybe, this. Maybe the fault was the friends we made. Maybe the- <laughs> maybe it was- Are you about to blame our friends? Are we about to have no friends but each other? That's not yeah. better. Maybe the fault was the friends we made along the way. Okay. And now the weather. All right. I still I still blame you a little. So, while this is all going on, Kyle phoned Brandon to ask him exactly where he was on the highway. There's really shitty cell phone reception out in the boonies of Texas, to the surprise of no one. And the calls kept dropping. So eventually, Brandon surprise. was able to... Yeah, surprise, our calls drop all the fucking time. We both live in major cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, though, Brandon was able to tell Kyle, I'm ten minutes away, hurry up and get here, I'm bleeding. Not a lot of information. So, Kyle and Audrey located Brandon's vehicle at 1.10 in the morning. By the time they got there, a deputy from the Coke County Sheriff's Department was already there checking out the vehicle. The truck was undamaged and completely out of gas, just as Brandon had said. And Brandon was nowhere to be found, and he'd taken the keys and his wallet with him. Eerie. A little eerie. Weirdly enough, too, all the doors to the truck were unlocked. So... The deputy explains to Kyle that they received a 911 call about the truck, and he asks if he knows who owns it. Kyle confirms that this is his brother Brandon's truck. Eerie. Yeah, a little eerie. Deeply, Um, deeply eerie. As with a lot of unsolved missing persons cases, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but mysterious unsolved disappearance is often code for 
not well investigated or there was some obstacle to the initial search. People, for some reason, didn't investigate it as quickly as they should. The mystery is usually caused by, rather than caused by, like, a truly strange occurrence, they're usually caused by gaps in information that a more competent or more um, comprehensive uh, <laughs> like search would have or investigation would have cleared up. So, like, yeah. So in this case, a lot of the mystery that we have is probably due to a well-meaning but ultimately unwise decision made by Kyle Lawson. So... A few months before his disappearance, Brandon discovered that he had an old outstanding warrant he'd never addressed. This happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Shit happens. I have no idea what the warrant was for, but it doesn't seem to have been anything too, too major, but... I'm currently wanted in several states. That's unsurprising. (laughs) You're also deeply unwanted in several states, so I think it balances out. It balances out. It's always nice to be wanted, even if it's just by the police. Good. But I mean, like, sometimes wires get crossed, warrants, you know, Mm -hmm. sit for a while and you don't realize you have one. Yeah, Uh, like, sometimes you're not even informed, like, especially if it's, like, something fairly minor, like, oh, you didn't pay a traffic fine or, like, you forgot to show up to court, you might have a warrant out for your arrest, but no one's actually really looking for you. Yeah, you're not on the, you're not exactly the FBI's most wanted list. Yeah. Um, Like, even, actually, this is, this is an interesting thing I recently learned, like, uh, if you uh, pass into the United States, like, if you pass into the United States from Canada, like, it won't come up as, like, there being a warrant in your name if there's a warrant for you in Canada, um, because, like, the the Americans don't usually have access to that kind of information unless you're, like, a big deal. Um, it's only when you pass back into the the Canada that you get flagged. And even then, they may not even arrest you if you're in a different province from the one where you are currently, you currently have a warrant out for you. <laughs> because, like, it's just not their jurisdiction and they don't give a shit why the city, the city of Montreal want, like, wants to talk to you about these fines. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my godmother is a dual U.S.-Canadian citizen. Um, And she's been able to cross the border freely her whole life. You can cross with a a status card if you're First Nations. And um, she was arrested recently when she crossed the border because she had an unpaid uh, traffic ticket from like 1986 or something. Mm -hmm. It was it was this absurdly old one. And they were like, she's like, are you you serious? They're like, yeah, I'm afraid so. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what to tell you, (laughs) ma'am. You're under arrest, I guess. (laughs) She's like, you know, I'm like, I'm good for it. They're like, yeah, no, we know. Like, we we got you there. (laughs) They they dealt with it that day, but I mean, stuff happens. So Brandon and Ledessa had been trying to save up enough money to afford to pay off the fine or the lawyer fees. Different sources, some sources say fine. Some people say lawyer. He was, warrants cost money. Mm. And he was trying to save up money before he went to address this. So he was planning to deal with it. He just didn't quite have the money to do it right away. He Mm -hmm. was going to soon, though. Um, Kyle knew about the whole warrant situation, and because he was a protective brother, he did not want Brandon to get arrested that night for his outstanding warrant. Mm -hmm. So he didn't want the cops to run the plates on Brandon's truck. Um, So Kyle did whatever he could to keep the cops from looking too hard for Brandon. Um, So Kyle spoke to Brandon on the phone once again while he was at the truck. Um, 
he reiterated more of the same, that Brandon was 10 minutes away and that he was bleeding. Kyle didn't tell the officer that he'd spoken to Brandon, and he did not tell the officer that Brandon was somewhere nearby and bleeding. Oh, boy. Well, Kyle, to be fair, was one, being protective, two, had no way of knowing that his brother was about to go missing into the fucking ether, and three, he assumed when Brandon said that he was ten minutes away and bleeding, this they were in sort of a scrubby deserty cactusy area. Yeah, like maybe he's just like walked ten minutes out and like just like because like bleeding is not necessarily that severe of a symptom. It just seems more sinister with our knowledge of what happened to him. Yeah, there was sort of some woods here and there, but he assumed that Brandon was hiding in the bushes and had been scratched up. Yeah, like that was kind of the assumption he was going on. He did not realize. Like my sister texted me earlier today that she was bleeding and like she had just like accidentally got scratched by a dog. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people bleed. You're yeah. basically just a big old walking pocket of blood. Yeah. You're just a big old sack of juice. Jessica routinely bleeds on purpose. Yeah. I like it. It gives me joy. And then I give it to people. I give them my blood. They don't even have to ask. I'll volunteer it. <clears throat> I'm gonna maybe get you into, like, sticker collecting. Get you a sticker book. Oh, Just... no. Stickers make me anxious. I, oh, I hate, no. like, the, the, like, the, like, I have this problem where, like, if I, I hate removing them and sticking them onto something because, like, it just, I'm always second-guessing myself. It feels like almost a violation of the stickers to, like, misuse them or to, like, use them inappropriately. I just, for similar reasons, I always buy ugly notebooks because I just, I feel like my hands taint beauty. Oh, I have your notebook, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. You left, left it under, under my couch. couch. I forgot to tell you that. Until this exact moment. <laughs> I had to leave it behind because I had too many shoes. I'll mail it to you in a sinister package that has a smear of blood under the stamp and no return address. I appreciate that. Look forward to it. You're just going to place it in the basement with like with an appropriate sacrifice and it'll still appear in my house. Yep, on a slightly smeared envelope with no real address. It just says <laughs> Jessica in crooked letters across the front of it. <laughs> just it'll the blood rubbed over, rubbed over my name. <laughs> That's good. This is how we send each other things. We have a fun friendship. Mm. <laughs> so, Kyle just wanted the cop to go away, basically. And he thought that he was doing Brandon a favor by hiding him. He mm -hmm. had no idea how serious the situation was, and he had no way of knowing. Um, and in fairness, the deputy had a strange reaction. He did not run the plates on the truck, which I feel like you should. Yeah, I just feel like, like, do your due diligence, just run the plates. This is kind just of weird. Don't take the word of a random man who shows up at 1.15 in the morning and assumes... Yeah. Just don't. Just you don't, don't. Even know if this, you don't even know if like he's telling the truth. You have no idea. Like, yeah, he probably has some reason to have just showed up here and, like... He's probably, like, telling the it's truth. It's a highway. Like, People are going up and down. Yeah. It happens. Maybe run the plates. So, the deputy put Brandon's hazard lights on, locked the truck, and he called to arrange a tow to come pick it up at 8 a.m. that morning if Brandon had not returned to claim the truck by then. Um, he then left the scene at 1.18 a.m. and just drove up and down the stretch of highway looking for Brandon. He assumed that Brandon would be walking on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Kyle and Audrey left the scene at around the same time, and Audrey sent Brandon a text message at 1.19am to say there's a cop at your truck to try to warn him that a cop's driving around looking for him. Mm -hmm. After receiving the text message, Brandon called Audrey and was apparently nigh on incoherent. He once again stated that he was bleeding, and then the call dropped before they could get any more information out of him. So... 
Well, you have to be getting terrors. Yeah, you have to be getting pretty unsettled at this point. It's that's that's creepy. Oh, it's gonna get so much worse. Oh, oh, so much worse. I, I, we did so we did so many happy episodes in a row on like fun little heists and gentlemen bandits, and now it's now it's just we're gonna stare right into the abyss. Yeah, this I I think I think I think it's just the real reason why you have so many creepy episodes is just like you can't stand joy. No, I hate it. Snap no, it's, it out. It's only unsettling terror that makes you feel truly alive. Just stare right into the butthole of nihilism. Mm. Just look right in there. <laughs> the, the abyss staring back is the only time anyone makes eye contact with me anymore. Right? Sometimes I just feel like my life is going too well and like I've been too fortunate and so I just have to remind myself that at any moment I could disappear under mysterious mm. circumstances and my family will just torture themselves for the rest of their lives trying to find out if there was more they could have done. Yeah, it's like, don't worry, Janelle. The world really is a whirlwind of terror. Yeah, it's just a, it's like a reflex. Sometimes mm. I crave cheese, too, and that also makes the feelings go away. <laughs> <laughs> but for today, I don't have any cheese for today, so I, That's we're doing this. It's because your nose is stuffed. You don't need any dairy. No. I just want to eat soup that tastes funny. Yeah, funny um, soup. So, hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. The fact that Brandon's been missing for five years now with basically no leads makes it pretty obvious that Kyle probably shouldn't have lied to the deputy. He probably, probably should have been a little not. more forthcoming with information. But again, he had no way of knowing. He had so no idea. And we like, can't blame Kyle Fairly too reasonably much. so. Yeah. So Kyle and Audrey went driving around the area looking for Brandon, and Kyle tried to call Ledessa to let her know what was going on, but he couldn't get through to her because her phone was in the car. Mm-hmm. Kyle did manage to get a hold of some of his buddies who were generous or bored enough to come out and just search for Brandon in the middle of the night. So, um, if you nothing else, Kyle has he made good an friends. effort. Mm. He has good friends. Yeah, he's he's, he's just, got he's got solid pals. Either that or he's you, got unemployed pals, but he has solid pals. If you can phone people up and be like, "Yo, do you want to come search the woods for my brother at one thirty in the morning under mysterious circumstances?" and they're like, "That is yeah, ride or die shit for sure, bud." Let me just get my coat. Mm. Those are good friends. You keep those fucking friends. Yeah, like you. They got your back. Mm. Yep. So throughout the search, they continuously call Brandon's phone, but he doesn't pick up any of the calls, and they just keep getting his voicemail. At 3 o'clock in the morning, the phone finally stops ringing and just goes straight to voicemail. Mm. At this point, it's either been switched off, it's run out of battery, or it's been rendered inoperable somehow. Mm-hmm. Or it's out of range. But his his phone stops going through at 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, Ledessa woke up and went to get her phone at 4.30 in the morning because literally everybody in the story has a bizarre sleep schedule. Yeah, like, when the hell do these people sleep? They don't. They just, they, they wait. They just don't. They just wait. And... She realized she has a shitload of missed calls and absolutely frantic voice messages from Kyle. Mm-hmm. So Ledessa phones Kyle to ask him what the fuck is going on, and Kyle fills her in. So at this point, he's decided that continuing to search in the dark is pretty much pointless. Fair. And he went home to wait for the sun to rise, and um, he said that he would continue searching in the daylight. Mm-hmm. So he left the gas can in the back of Brandon's truck just in case Brandon came back. At 7 o'clock in the morning, Kyle's paycheck finally clears, and he goes back to Brandon's truck to get the gas can and fill it up. There's still no sign of Brandon. Again, though, that is a pretty slim sleep schedule. These people are actual bats. Actual bats. Although I think, uh, at this point, Kyle has to be just, like, like, Kyle Lawson has to be just distraught. 
oh, he's basically coming unglued at this point, which is yeah, understandable. Like, like clearly he's trying to keep it together, but he must just feel awful. Yeah, so Kyle fills up the gas can and brings it back to the truck, and then at that point he just breaks down. So he decides to call the sheriff's office and come clean about having heard from Brandon, and Brandon being, quote, ten minutes away and bleeding. So this is when that changed from a, like, abandoned truck case to a missing persons case. Mm. Um, but here's where we get into the night terrors and the horror that is existence. My favorite. Yes. Ha ha ha. Um, it turns out that Brandon's family weren't the only ones holding back information in this case. When Ledessa reviewed Brandon's cell phone records, which you can get a cell phone usage report from your um, service your provider. provider if you yeah. yeah, it's it's not your usual cell phone record. It will actually give you a list of what you said in all your text messages and gives you detailed reports about the calls mm-hmm. you made. She discovered, uh, she was asked to do this by law enforcement, and when she received this report from her um, cell phone provider, she discovered that Brandon himself had placed a call to 911 on the night that he disappeared. This phone call is probably the key to solving Brandon's disappearance, if only we can understand what the fuck he's saying in it. So, this is the element of the case that pushes things over the edge from, like, kind of creepy to, like, you know, Dickensian Lovecraftian horror. Yeah, like, the the real, like, night terrors, like, staring at the ceiling, like, movement in the corner of your eye shit. Yeah, we've had a lot of issues with our listeners, like, listening to this while they're driving, but this is maybe one that you don't want to listen to if you're, like, alone in your room at night. Um, so, yeah, also, don't fucking listen to this podcast while you drive. We've had two people almost get into accidents because we said something horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Horrendously inappropriate. What, one of them was a near-choking slash car accident, which I thought was an exciting combination. Because you made a horrific joke about it. <laughs> No, you don't. Don't you laugh? It was you. Think about what you did. You said something terrible. You're a bad person. Bad Jessica. It's too soon for Princess Diana jokes. <laughs> Specifically, what I said was a Prince Princess Di Bush Junior combo. <laughs> no, that is not a funny joke. It's hilarious. She <laughs> died when I was seven. It's soon enough. <laughs> You don't get to sound so pleased about yourself. (laughs) Oh, God. I like the little joys in life. Like being completely awful on the internet. It's all we have these days. It's all we have. So, Brandon's 911 call was placed at 12.54am, just six minutes after his final attempt to reach Ledessa. Um, and as I mentioned, Brandon's phone call tonight on one is extremely difficult to understand. We're about to listen to it, so... It's a little gerbled. Kiss your childhood innocence goodbye. We're doing this. It's difficult to understand, and true crime message boards, if you're the kind of person that lurks on those, are absolutely filled with people's attempts to transcribe it. But there's three big things working against Brandon here. One, Brandon has a thick regional Texas accent that most people aren't really familiar with, myself included. I don't go near Texans. <laughs> I've never been near a Texas. I've never seen one in person. Texans in the wild. Mm. Just one Texas roaming around Manhattan. Get it out of here. <laughs> the whole Texas. Two, Brandon is speaking very quickly and is obviously not having a good time in mm-hmm. this phone call. 
And three, he made the phone call from an area with shitty cell reception, and it fucking shows. So we have technological issues, we have accent issues, and accent slash regional dialect issues, and we're also having a clearly distressed person on a phone call. Hooray! Not a great combination for clarity. No, it's not. So we're going to listen to this phone call a couple of times. You are. Jessica and I are only going to listen to it like once. But Mm. you get to listen to it a couple times because I'm going to make some attempts to clean this up using the finest free audio filters that Audacity has to offer to see what we can get out of it. Um, We're not the first people to try this, so I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking. But uh, we will start by playing the original phone call. Audio magic here, people. Yeah, there's the beep in the beginning of the phone call is the 911 recording device from the bygone era of 2013. Um, it's on it's on their end. It's not anything on Brandon's end. So go ahead and listen to that horrifying phone call. Sweet. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. We're just pushing guys over. We're out here going to a javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You gotta take it to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now, run that by me. No, we're not talking to him. I told you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him, okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Hello? Jessica, I oh. I knew I could do it. I believed in myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> reactions other than a distressed whimper. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's very. I can see why it's like when they say it's garbled. It's like I feel like like when you're listening to his voice, it's like I can almost like I can almost understand. You can almost this, but understand not quite. it. That's what's really frustrating. It's like you're almost like there, I'm but catching words. He's clearly like, he's clearly distressed. But like the major problem seems to be the technology and the accent. Like yeah, and it's it's fast. It's very fast. Like he's clearly under a lot of stress. He's clearly like upset about something. Like he and he says he. He's clearly talking. There's someone else there. There is. I well. That's that's up for debate. So we'll try... This is the part in the podcast where we will play the original phone call slowed down, just because the speed is an issue. No emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The site for just pushing guys over. Right here going towards javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You got to take it to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. We're not talking to him. I told you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Just the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. 
strikes me is that he says he doesn't need an ambulance yeah but there's something going on i don't need an ambulance i need the cops and then he says please hurry please hurry something's not okay something is deeply not okay but i don't think he's injured at this point or at the very least he's not severely injured enough that he's concerned about his own safety no he's something is going on though something is going on you can catch just snatches of it but not mm-hmm. enough like she's the one who says like she's the one who implies that there's another person he doesn't like the 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 the, the emergency responder she's the one who says you ran into him so it's like yeah. is she hearing this clearer than i am because i don't hear him talk about anybody else well well i'll this is the point where i'll play my cleaned up version mm-hmm. where because i'll i'm gonna try to clean it up and we'll see what we can hear as so i'll play it here Okay, now run that brownie. Why are we not talking to him? Hi, Phil, you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him, okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 Yeah, I don't have any of the answers here. No, that's confusing. My transcript of this phone call is just as unreliable as anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to bring out, point out one part of the clip, though, that most people consistently bring up when they talk about the case, uh, including his family. So there's some debate online about whether there is a second voice on the clip. So if you go back to the point in the clip, um, just after the 911 operator asks, do you need an ambulance? Some people think that you can hear a second voice in the background say, yeah, right before Brandon says no. So we'll play that little section again and see what you think. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's creepy. That sounds like a voice and it sounds like it's saying yes. So some people think that this is just noise. It could be. But some people think that the second voice in the background is saying yes, and then Brandon says no, and some people think it's Brandon himself going yeah, and then correcting himself and saying no. Oh, that's also entirely possible. It is, but to me, I don't know. Some people, his family, for the record, think that it is a second person. Yeah, because it it doesn't sound exactly the same as the voice that he follows it with. It's a bit quieter, which feels like it might be farther away from the phone, but it yeah. could also just be him mumbling. Yeah. Um, the other point on the clip that I'd like to point out is um, some people think that you can hear a gunshot on this tape. 
I didn't grow up around guns. I don't know what the fuck guns really sound like. Um, so I'm not going to take a hard stance here. I don't know. But we'll play the short clip again. We'll see what you think. Right after he says, uh, they got the first guy. Some people think that that bang in the background is a gunshot. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah, I don't hear, I don't hear the, I don't hear the gunshot. But I, I don't either, I, but. But I do hear that now. Like, they got the first guy. Yeah. So people have listened to this thing slowed down, low pitch, high pitch, noise reduced, all kinds of stuff. There's only so much you can do to get around the fact that Brandon isn't speaking clearly in the first place and that the recording is only so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple like of you things- Like, that... you can't bring out information that isn't there. Yeah, no. So no matter how clean you make the recording or how much you slow it down, it's hard to get around the fact that Brandon is not speaking clearly. Probably for understandable reasons. Yeah. But there's a couple things people seem to agree on, which, again, take this with a generous pinch of salt. The phone call seems to start out with the phrase, I'm in the middle of a field. Yeah. And most people hear the phrase, just push some guys over. Which, what the, what does that mean? Yeah, that's, that's odd. Or just pulled some guys over. Some people think that uh, they hear him talking about a state trooper in there. Mm. There's, uh, there's some nickname for straight state troopers that he uses at the beginning. At least that's what they're hearing, right? You can hear anything that you want on this clip. Mm-hmm. I personally probably don't know that name for state troopers because I am a hick of an entirely different breed. I'm not familiar with the local lingo. Some people think he's saying this this phrase, Yes, I'm in the middle of a field, a staper, which is apparently a local nickname for state trooper, just cruised some guys well, over. That's just or... lazy. Yeah, just cruised some guys over or just pulled some guys over. Right here, going towards Abilene on both sides. Going towards Abilene makes sense, because he was, mm-hmm. in fact, going towards Abilene. I have no idea what on both sides means. No. Like, unless they're on both sides of the road. But, like, if there's a state trooper in the area, like, wouldn't that have been obvious after the fact? Like, they wouldn't have, they, like, Who that's, knows? A, that's a law enforcement. Yeah. Like, like, wouldn't they know if somebody had been in the area? You'd think so. You would think. He also mentioned something about the woods, that he was taken to the woods or chased into the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, it's um, very clear he mentions the woods. Yeah. And the 911 operator seems to hear him say, I ran into him. Mm-hmm. And he does say something very similar to that. That might be it. Something along those lines. So, but again, there's no official transcript of this call. The best anyone can do is sort of... Some of it is just educated guesswork. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clearest part of the tape is when he says, my truck ran out of gas, which is unfortunate mm-hmm. because we already knew that. Yeah, like, that's not additional information. <laughs> like, yeah, his truck was out of gas. We already that, we already know that. The most garbled part of this whole transcript is when he explains what's going on. Yeah, like, which is f- so frustrating because it's just like, if we could tease some information out of that, we might have an idea of what he saw. Yeah, so... The only parts of the tape that are clear are when he talks about going towards Abilene and being out of gas, which, like, we already... We already we know that. that. Um, the operator seems to be under the impression that Brandon was in some sort of car accident. Mm-hmm. She seems to think that he's hit somebody. You ran into yeah, him. Yeah, you, you ran into him. Like, which is just, like, she, like, might be reading more into the situation 
based on, like, her experience, like, most of the people, like, she hears from, like, oh, they've just had accidents. Whereas, like, what he seems to be describing is very different. Like, he seems to be talking about other people. Like, oh. more than one. Yeah. Who Brandon was actually speaking to on that 911 call is a story in and of itself, but we will get to that. But Brandon's... The operator seems to be under the impression that Brandon's was in this car accident, but his truck is undamaged. No, yeah. There was no sign of a struggle. He left the doors unlocked. Nothing was missing. His he truck is just sort of, out of parked gas. haphazardly out of gas on the side of the highway. So it's not like he ran into something and stopped. Something happened after he already ran out of gas, because otherwise he wouldn't have time to call his family. Or if he did, like, hit somebody, he didn't hit them hard enough to leave any kind of damage. Which Why is amazing, considering it's a highway. Like, if you hit somebody on the highway, like, chances are you hit them pretty hard. Right? Like, they you don't do a lot of, like, thing. gentle, gentle, Nudges. Like, nudges in highway there's not a lot of There's not a lot of love taps on the highway. No, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, uh, play, playful banter between bumpers. No. Not so much. Gentle kiss. Mwah. What strikes me as really odd is that Brandon stops responding to the 911 operator in the middle of things. Yeah. As if something had happened to him. But we know that that's not the last phone call he makes. He spoke to Kyle and Audrey at least two more times after that. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Yeah, and Did why his... didn't he call the 911 back? Yeah, if the call dropped, why didn't he call them back? And why did he stop talking? Because at the end, when the operator's saying hello, hello, there's sort of this noise in the background as if Brandon's call is still active. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. as if he's hung up. No, like, it's it's not that the call has ended. Like, it still seems that the line's open. But why, why isn't he speaking, and how does he make two more? He speaks to Kyle and Audrey two more times yeah. after that. So I mean, it's f- garbled, but like... But still, he's able to speak. Mm-hmm. So what on earth? We know that he's still active, that he still has his phone, that he still has a level of control over his senses. Yeah, we just don't know why he stops talking. If you think there's something odd about the 911 dispatcher's mannerisms here, though, if you've ever called 911, you might have picked up that that's not how those calls usually go. And you're right, because Brandon was not speaking to a a designated 911 operator. That's not what they had in this region of Texas. No. In this like, area, yeah. Like, a lot of areas just do not have well-funded, dedicated call centers. There's just... It's, yeah. It's a bit more ad hoc. Especially in the United States. There's very little funding set aside for this, and it's actually an ongoing national crisis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... it's A lot of this that kind of stuff gets misappropriated into general funds. So, in this region of Texas, they do not have a specific 911 operator... Emergency calls are all answered by staff of the local nursing home. For, uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah. For reasons That's that- That's worse than I thought. Oh, yeah. I'm sure this made sense to somebody at some point, but yeah, the nursing home staff I thought the you were going to tell me- See, I, my, I, my thought, my naive, optimistic thought was that you were going to tell me like, oh, it's like the secretary at the sheriff's station or like no, his no, no. wife or something. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, it's the staff of a nursing home. That's huh. that's who answers 911. If you are I'm dying... I'm sure they have plenty of appropriate training. 
Yeah, even even nurses at the at the nursing home. Sometimes you'll get a nurse. That's probably the best case scenario. But yeah, <laughs> staff at the nursing home pick up the phone. So it could just be like Ethel who like handles lunches and occasionally takes shift at the front desk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ethel the lunch lady, I guess, can answer your fucking 911 call. Try not to die in Abilene, Texas. Try not to die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Try yeah. not to die. Seriously, kids, we've said this in like multiple episodes, but if you're gonna go missing, don't do it in a small rural area. Do it places where people have, the, the police have funding and training, rather than places where like, heaven forbid, like, heaven forbid nobody at the nursing home be near a phone when you try to contact them. This call, this, I mean, this case actually has some marked similarities to the other missing persons case that I forced upon our unwitting audience, which is the Maura Murray case. These were both people who disappeared from the scenes of mysterious car accidents in rural areas and had their search efforts hampered by the fact that they were in areas with bad cell phone reception and they had severely under-equipped emergency services in the area. Mm. And they've neither of them have been seen since. I mean, obviously, I, I don't understand how this could have happened. Obviously, the exact same training you need to clear a bedpan and find a dementia patient when they wander off is exactly the kind of training you need to uh, calmly, confidently respond to a 911 call when a man uh, suddenly goes missing after uh, pulling over the side of the road. That's clearly, yeah. that's a generalizable skill. I've always yeah. thought. So the, the staff at the nursing home, when they got a 911 call, would then phone the sheriff if the call was sufficiently important. But for some reason, although, like, in the phone call, the dispatcher is clearly under the impression that this is some sort of car accident. Yeah. She even she asked specifically him, asked if there's oh, an ambulance. Oh, you ran into him. Do mm. you need an ambulance? But when she phoned the case into the sheriff, she called it in as a motorist who ran out of gas. Which is why nobody was dispatched to that phone call. Oh, boy. And, like... Because yeah, the 911 call that came in at the same time about a truck parked dangerously was higher priority than a motorist out of gas. Oh, and they didn't put two and two together. They didn't. So the the there's no indication that the deputy who arrived at the scene of the truck had any idea that Brandon Lawson had placed a phone call. He had no idea that there had been an emergency call from that area about a motorist panicking and asking for the cops. And how many incidents do you expect they get in a night, really? It's probably mostly quiet, you would assume. Assume this is the kind of, re like, region in the world where, like, most emergencies are either related to barbecue accidents or, like... Livestock. I, I thought I could jump off the roof onto a trampoline, and it turns out that I cannot. It's, Please it's help like, me. It's like 90% like bonfire-related backflips. Unwise alcohol consumption combined with athletics. <laughs> yeah, this isn't really an area where there's, like, active serial killers. Like, this is not no. a high-density like, area. I bet that, like, 99.9% .9 of the time, the fact that, you know, you know, care staff at a nursing home are the ones fielding emergency calls, it's probably fine. It probably doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, they're probably like, God damn it, Doug, what the fuck did you do now? 
Mm-hmm. This is like but the third like, call tonight. Like, you know, this is an area where people know each other. And you understand why she would have said, like, oh, it's a motorist who ran out of gas because he said he didn't need an ambulance. Yeah. But at the same time, he seemed very stressed out and said that he needed a cop. It's like one of those things where, like, the literal description of what happened is less important than the affective description of what happened. Like, the emotions of the person are very different than the facts of the case that you know. The facts of the case that she knows is, like, he said he didn't need an ambulance, but he said that he was out of gas. That's, but, like, that can mean everything from, like, oh, yeah, a calm call saying, like, hey, sorry to bother you, ran out of gas, to, like, what this is, which is just, like, a man clearly on the verge of panic. Yeah. Absolutely. But the literal description doesn't sound that bad. Oh, and in metropolitan areas, if you call 911, it doesn't matter what you say. They're coming Mm -hmm. to check it out. Oh, absolutely. If if you fucking butt dial 911, they will not stop until they find you. Yeah, like, uh... they are going to find your ass, and then they're going to discuss, like, they're going to have some hard questions for your ass and the nature of its emergency. Oh, my... I I got my first real lesson in how terrifying the surveillance Big Brother state that we live in is when my brother accidentally called 911 as a child. uh, Mm. Not as a child, but, you know, 14. That's the A young individual. Those are children to me. He literally butt-dialed 911 from his cell phone and had no idea he'd done it. Mm. Um, We only figured out that he had done this when my phone rang and it was the RCMP. And they immediately were like, are you the sister of John Como? And I was like, well, (laughs) I mean, not by choice, but it was it was thrust upon me. Yes. Mm. And they were like, is he with you now? And I was like, uh, yeah. And they demanded to speak to him because it turns out John had butt dialed 911 and because they weren't able to get a hold of him and they somehow knew that the phone call was coming from the cell phone of a minor. Mm. He for for at least 20 minutes the number one police priority in the St. Albert area was finding my brother finding and John Como's ass <laughs> they somehow in some government database I'm linked to that little shithead and they knew that he was my brother and they found my phone number they phoned every member of the family I'm just the only mm. one who picked up that's that's how much effort they will go to to find you yeah that is how much effort urban they area. will go to to find uh the phone of a young, like a 14-year-old boy, even though they are 99.9% certain that it's just his butt calling them, they're still going to hunt that butt down. Yeah, this was this was just a phone call with nothing. If you call 911 and then you leave the phone off the hook, they'll come find you. Yeah. If it's oh. a landline. If it's a cell phone, you're fucked. But if it's a landline, they know exactly where you are and they're it's, gonna come find you. It's not because they don't care. It's that they're so underfunded that they literally cannot find you. They literally have no idea where you are. Yeah, there's that. It, they are technologically behind because we are just utterly willing to shaft emergency emerg- emergency funding. But no, like, I, I col- called a 911 operator recently and I was calling for an emergency that not, was not in the same area as me. And they are very professional. That is something that struck me about this 911 call is just like, when you get on, like, there is like, you know, like 911 was your emergency. It is very straightforward and they are very calm. 
It's actually not what they answer the phone with, though, which is what struck me. If you ever call 911, mm-hmm. they ask you, where are you? Mm. They actually don't answer the phone with, what are your emergency? Yeah, they ask no. you, police, they, they... fire, or ambulance, and where are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that is what they asked me, like, police, fire, or, am- or ambulance. And I was just like, although my, my, my response was like, I'm not calling for me. Can you send, can you send me to the uh, this, other, this other city's, like, dispatch? <laughs> because I was they can. F- they can. They can. I was I was deeply concerned because I'm just like, they automatically route you to your locality. Um, yeah, they do. It I makes was, sense. And I was worried about that. They do, because it would be sort of tragic if you phoned 911 in New York City and you picked up in San Francisco. You're like, hang mm, on. It not will take useful. us five days to reach you. Just hang in there. <laughs> we got just, this. Just stay by the phone, please. <laughs> but yeah, that's what struck me about this 911 call is that she answers with, what is your emergency? But at no point does she ask his name, his location, and she doesn't start the phone call by asking what he needs. No. Because normally they ask, what do you need? You say what you want, and then they dispatch that thing immediately. Mm-hmm. They get the information out of you while the person is en route to your location. Oh, that's that's exactly it. Like, she goes into, like, trying to discern what the situation is, but, like, what she really needs to know is, like, where is he? What does he need? Uh, like, who is he? That's the first thing she should be finding out. Yeah, um, so, again, Like, the, the information you need to, like, dispatch somebody and then ascertaining what the exact situation is so, like, you can, like, tell the person who's responding. So if you're gonna go missing... Don't do it in a rural area where you mm, have to talk don't. to uh, an elderly folks home LPN for help. Mm. Your only, the is... only thing standing between you and total ruin is the lady who dishes up chewy pudding. Mm. She she is an expert in mushed peas and and various other forms forms of of of, of important tasks. Mm, all the food she makes is viscous. <laughs> mm. Yes, the best kind of the best kind of of serving is liquid. <laughs> mm, real thick liquid too, mm, just blah, 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 blah. mushy, like <laughs> controllable, but at the same time easy to digest and chew without teeth. Oh. God, aging is horrifying. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's it's like one of those things where I'm just like, I have a lot of respect for nurses, LPNs, care staff. I think they do a great job. I think it's a very important work. I also think that we shouldn't make them dis- like dispatch emergency calls. I, I think, think emergency dispatchers are also very important people. Yeah. Who do very I important think work. everyone should stay in their own lane. <laughs> stay in your fucking lane, Ethel. <laughs> yeah. Putting your hazards on doesn't help Ethel. That doesn't make it legal. Custard isn't going to make itself, and you don't need to answer the phone. No. 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 Maybe you should stick to the custard, Ethel. (laughs) So police have formally searched the area where Brandon disappeared at least seven times. They've used planes, infrared cameras, which only helps if he's alive, foot Mm. searches. They've used predictive computer algorithms, which is the- we're in the future now. They used computer algorithms along with scans of the area to figure out the most likely ways that he would have gone. Which, wow. And they have used cadaver dogs and they have found nothing. Uh, Oh boy. Brandon's family and friends have also conducted extensive searches of the area. They've even paid out of pocket for a search plane and again found nothing. The area where he disappeared is mostly dunes and cacti. Scrub, scrubland. Kind of yeah, 
His family believes that if he got lost and, I don't know, succumbed to the elements in uh, August of Texas, I guess, mm. uh, that they would have found him by now. This isn't, he didn't go missing in the jungle. Yeah, it's that's... rural Texas. Yeah, like, it's fairly open ground. It's not heavy forest or anything. No, there's and... some woods, but not, like, they're there's not some dense. woods, but, like, it's not dense forest land. Like, it's a fairly open area, and, like, it's a fairly small area. The vast majority of people who die violently or accidentally are very close by where they were last seen. Yeah, so Brandon's family, for the record, appear to be currently operating under the assumption that he he is deceased, and that somebody out there knows what happened to him. They don't think that this was an accident. Because how the fuck could it be? Mm Mm-hmm. It's very rare that you accidentally run out of gas and then stumble into the woods and then die. That's not... It's unusual, especially considering that he was fine for a very long time. Like, if everything was fine, if there was nothing going on in the area, if, like, there's no reason to walk off the road. No, stay in your truck. No, like, there's two reasonable options here if there's nobody else in the area. And those reasonable options are either walk down the road towards civilization, like, have that just that long slog of like, oh boy. But, like, there's the more logical one, which is just stay at the car and wait for fucking Kyle. Stay in your car. You know Kyle's coming. You got a cell phone. Lock the doors. Stay in the truck. There's no reason for him to get out. There's very little, like, reasonable threat to him. And there's no damage to the vehicle. He could have just stayed there. Why would he leave the road? Who knows? The case hasn't gotten the amount of media attention that other missing persons cases get. Because it's it's kind of hard to get the public to care about a missing white male who has a criminal record. That's mm. just sort of... And a lot of the media around this case have unfairly labeled him a fugitive... When there's no evidence that that's what he is. Fugitives are people who disappear intentionally to avoid the law. Not like... It's kind of like that kind of like... And I'm very familiar with this, coming from a fairly rural background, coming from... I'm gonna say impoverished hicks. Alright. You know, like, people are generally (laughs) unsympathetic to the idea of anybody who would avoid the police. For any reason. But But in a lot of ways, poverty is heavily criminalized. Like, if you can't pay your fine, you end up with a warrant. And then, like, you don't have the money to pay it, so you just kind of avoid the cops for a bit. Like, it's perfectly innocent, perfectly reasonable behavior, but people can be deeply unsympathetic to it. Also, there is no evidence that Brandon intentionally went missing to avoid the police. No, like, that was Kyle. (laughs) Was offered an ambulance and then said, no, I want the cops. Yeah. It's, you can't really- wanted the police. He stated it very clearly. He could not Mm -hmm. have been more explicit in his desire to have police now, please now. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's no, I don't think there's any real credence to the idea that Brandon went missing intentionally- no. Uh, and certainly that he didn't go missing intentionally to avoid a warrant. There are much easier ways to do that. Yeah, he explicitly solicited the attention of the police. Like, yeah. the kind of, like, that. It, it's just, I understand why somebody would 
misconstrue it that way, but, like, yeah. anybody with any sense who looked into this case would not say that he was a fugitive. It doesn't make any sense. for In, in general, I don't think it makes any sense for Brandon to voluntarily disappear. Because he left with basically nothing in the middle of the night. If mm-hmm. he was planning to, like, leave his wife and children, there's easier ways to do that. Yeah. Um, just say you're gonna go going out for cigarettes and then just don't come back. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I'm, I'm glad I know for a fact that you still have a dad, or I would think that that was a family story that you just told. <laughs> My dad left for milk 18 years ago. Mm. You know, no, milk's he's... real hard to find in our neighborhood. You know, it's just he he'll be back someday, and he'll have that milk. <laughs> No, no, my father, my father is back in GP where I left him. <laughs> yeah. Stays put. He's a good, good stable father that way. <laughs> good um, stable dad who will be exactly where you left him when you come back into the room. <laughs> perfect. Uh, Brandon was also, by all accounts, a family man. He had been with Ladessa for ten years. Was planning to marry her. They had four children. He was a good father. There's a level of commitment there. Yeah, no one who know like and knew him. And there's no reasonable stressor, like long-term stressor, that would mean he would leave. No, he was under some temporary stress. One of his kids was sick and he'd started a new job. But, like, that's just sort of basic life stress that everybody deals with. And that was yeah. going to go away. And, like, getting a new job is very different from losing a job. Yeah, it's sort of a positive stress. It's still, mm. like, it's still hard. And it, you can be kind of on edge for a while. But, mm. um... Yeah, if if Brandon intentionally went missing, it makes zero sense for him to call 911 and then place repeated, mysterious, incoherent phone calls to his family in the middle of the night. No. That like, is not how you do that. No, like, unlike Maura Murray, like, where, like, she, like, clearly attempted to avoid any, 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 and all contact with people who could note her absence... Um, and made made no attempt to actually, like, call for help. Like, Lawson appears to be genuinely seeking aid. Like, he's trying to reach out. He's trying to get help. The whole- th- he's placing panicked phone calls. He's yeah. asking for the cops. He's asking for gas. He- he wants help. This is not mm-hmm. how people disappear. And Brandon wasn't avoiding his warrant. He was planning to deal with it. He'd been saving up money to deal with it. Mm-hmm. If- it makes no sense- to call 911 and ask for the cops if you're trying to avoid a warrant. So I don't think no. there's any real credence to the idea that this was an intentional thing. Although, for our listeners at home, cops will usually, like, like it, it's, it's generally a policy in most areas for cops to ignore warrants on emergency phone calls. So, like, yeah, if your buddy's in trouble, but, like, you're doing something illegal and that's why they're in the trouble, cops. just call them. They won't arrest you. There's a there's a term for what, for what, amnesty... Yeah, it's it's an it's um in good faith amnesty or something. Bystander. One moment. We're going to google this. Uh hmm. medical amnesty amnesty policy. Medical amnesty. If you're in a situation where you were doing some shady fucking shit and things go sideways and you place a phone call to emergency services in good faith, they will not yep. arrest you for doing the shady shit. They just don't yep. want you to die. Yeah, underage drinking, uh, drug you know, use. illegal drugs. Like, they will not arrest you if you make a good faith phone call to emergency services requesting medical attention. They I don't know will how, not arrest you. 
I don't know how far this extends. I think if you cut yourself while stabbing someone, they might they might still yeah, have some that's, questions. But that's 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 questionable. <laughs> Illegal drugs, though. Yeah, go for they, it. They 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 will help you. Um. So the only real lead we have is that Brandon's last cell phone ping came from an area about three miles from his truck. The problem is, is that cell phone pinging does not work mm. the way people think it works. It is not nearly as reliable as we think it is. No, it's um, like a much wider geographical area. We don't know your exact geographical location from that kind of a ping. It just tells us the nearest tower. It doesn't always, actually. Cell phone mm. pinging is a complicated process. We could just do multiple future episodes about people who have been wrongfully convicted on the basis of cell phone evidence, but your cell phone can ping off a tower that isn't the closest to you. Mm. So it can actually say that you are miles away from where you actually are. Cell phones are finicky mm. and they come from space and no one understands them. No one. No one. Yeah, like, just, just, like, I'm under the impression we couldn't even have cell phones if it wasn't for, like, like, the theory of relativity, and I almost understanding how exactly it works. They are a gift from space. Space gift. <laughs> they descended from on high. Ah. <laughs> All hail space. <laughs> this has been the science hour of this podcast. <laughs> that is absolutely your understand understanding of science. All hail space. Exactly. So most of the information on this podcast came comes from Brandon's profile on Missing Persons of America, but... I mean, there's still details that don't really make a ton of sense, like how Ledessa missed two phone calls from Kyle because her phone- or two phone calls from Brandon because her phone was in the car, but then she gets one from Kyle. There's- there's details that I have done my best, but this is- I- I tried, guys. The I information tried. just isn't available on the internet. Most of the ongoing search effort has been driven by a, a non-profit called Lost N, like the letter N, Missing mm -hmm. Incorporated, which badly needs a new graphic designer. And a Facebook group called Help Find Brandon Lawson that has 15,000 members, which are mostly true crime idiots like myself. Mm. Um, the best kind of idiot. <laughs> huzzah. Well, not always. Unfortunately, true crime buffs sometimes forget that these are real people behind these cases. Yeah, it's almost like they're human beings with human feelings. They have upset the family by repeatedly posting theories on this page that Brandon straight up abandoned them, or that he was involved in some mixed up shit. So- uh awkward. Yeah, if you're gonna go check out that page, try not to be a dick to the family. Try not to imply that their father voluntarily left them and then staged a bizarre disappearance just to upset Especially them. Especially just because, like, m this may be a murder mystery, it may be a missing persons case, but it's not like it's not like a game of Clue. <laughs> his, his kids are still children growing up without a dad, so, yeah, you know. Um, so, that brings us it's kind of to the end of this. So what what did happen to Brandon Lawson? What do you think Brandon actually said in that phone call? Um, if you give us a transcript, we will post it on our website. So that's an do exciting thing. Do we have thing. a website? No, I mean Facebook. I don't. Oh. I'm old. All of the internet is the website. I don't know. <laughs> we own Facebook now. <laughs> Huzzah. Uh, but yeah, we'll post transcripts if you guys come up with them and we, we can we can criticize you and make fun of your and listening skills. And mock your questionable hygiene and poor life choices. No, we'll be nice. We'll be nice. Uh, do you, I will do respond you... to each and every one of them with a personal you stink. 
Uh, I'll be nice and Jessica will be terrible. We'll be like a good cop, bad cop routine on people's <laughs> transcripts of the last known words of a missing man. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll um, be delightful. It'll be like a little game. One of the theories that comes up consistently is that Brandon may have accidentally seen something he wasn't supposed to see. Um, what do you guys think? Okay. It's, it's, if it was aliens, if it was aliens, I feel like Jessica would have inside knowledge about whether they were in the area that (laughs) night or not. So, hey, they're named all my people. (laughs) (laughs) We're different. We don't all look the same. That's racist. (laughs) What? We all look the same to you? (laughs) Racist. Um, yeah, so tell us what you think. And if you can, if you think you can figure out this case, or if you have any inside information, if you happen to live near, in and around Abilene, Texas, and for some reason you've had information about this case for five years, but this obscure Canadian podcast is the first you're hearing about it. This is the uh, bolt from the blue that lets you know that this man is in fact still missing. Uh, you can contact Crime Stoppers or the Texas Department of Public Safety to tell them what you know. There is an active reward out for information, so don't cause call emergency. They're underfunded. <laughs> yeah, please don't. the The lady at the nursing home has enough problems, but do contact Crime Stoppers. Yeah. They will pay you if you can help the family find Brandon Lawson. Denise has wandered off again, but other people are there and willing to hear. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this is this has been probably our most disturbing episode yet. I don't know. Kitchen cesarean. Oh, God. That is the standard by which all my episodes must be compared. (laughs) Is this as fucked up as a kitchen cesarean? (laughs) That could be another thing you let us know. Which episode gave you the most nightmares? We'll measure by quantity and quality. Quantity and quality. Yeah. We could we could put up like a fun little fun little quick a poll on poll on the web on on the website the Facebook on the website the Facebook on mm. the Twitters on the Twitters which episode gave you the most nightmares we are a fun podcast this is a fun thing for you to listen to on the bus yeah this is a cool hobby we have that's great awesome well I am going to uh it is five thirty in the morning local time so I'm going to retire to my bed to have numerous thrashing night terrors yeah. which wake my neighbors from their sleep and uh i'm probably gonna make myself a fried peanut butter jelly sandwich your plans sound better than my plans now i'm sad yeah. i'm gonna wash it down with a nice glass of milk mm, milk mm. in any case i've been jessica and i have been the low-grade fever version of janelle and we are fat, fat french, french and, and fabulous, fabulous. yes Thank you so much for listening to Fat French and Fabulous. You'll be relieved to hear that I did, in fact, survive the flu, although it was sort of a close call, and I did not manage to start a Manhattan-wide pandemic, which is sort of personally disappointing, but I guess I'll get over it. Thank you again for listening to the whole episode. This was an especially long one. I know, we had to fit lots of extra disturbing content in there, so if you made it this far, congratulations on being tough or dead inside. Uh, Either one works for me. We would love it if you guys would send us your theories on this case. We're going to be posting some maps on the social media sites. We will be posting a place for you guys to put up your transcripts. We'll see if we can hash out what this phone call actually says. But if you want to talk about cases with us on social media, you've got to find us on social media. So we are on Facebook at Fat French and Fabulous. You can also find us on Twitter at Fat French Fab. You, if you just want to talk true crime with one of us and you hate the other, that's fine. We will only be 
a little bit offended. You can find me on Twitter at VeryBadLama. You can find Jessica on Twitter at IAmNotAlungFish. And honestly, you should follow all of the above because we are hilarious individually and we are hilarious together. So let us brighten your social media life. If you are following us on social media, you should probably also subscribe to us as a podcast because that's the whole point of this shit show. Uh, so you can find us pretty much anywhere that podcast exists. You can find us on Google Play. Uh, I don't know why I put Google Play first. That's a it's moment in the sun, I guess. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Overcast. You can find us on Stitcher. Any Basically anything that has podcasts, we will be there. And if we're not, you should let us know because something has gone horribly awry. We also really appreciate everyone who has taken the time to review the podcast. I mention it every single week, but reviews are super important to us. They help other people find the podcast. They help give us a deep sense of personal validation that keeps us going on those long and dark nights. Um, Just in general, if you have time, please drop us a review. We have been thrilled with every single review we've gotten so far, mostly because they've all been very good. Thank you, guys. Um, But if you've got a moment, like I said, you can review us on iTunes. You can review us on Facebook, all, all sorts of strange social media outlets by which to let us know what you think. Um, and in general, we love hearing from you guys. Thank you so much to everybody who has shouted out to us on Twitter or dropped us messages over the last week. We love hearing from you guys. We love hearing your thoughts about the episode. We love hearing your thoughts about what we should do next or just, you know, the random disturbing trivia you send to our inboxes. You don't have to be Seth to send disturbing trivia if you want to. I lead a, I lead a dark and harrowing life and you can make it worse. You can, you can do that. That's an option for you. So thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week with a very special episode that Jessica is very excited about. So you have that to look forward to and we should all be terrified. Sweet dreams.